<laughs> that is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of The Complete Works Season 2, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the world according to Jeff Goldblum is my friend, co-host, and fellow Goldblumaniac, Mike Tricio. How's your name, Mike? I'm doing excellent. I'm very excited that I convinced you to do this episode uh, way back <laughs> when, because it's a thing that I'm very excited about. But yes. It is, but it is bittersweet. Yeah, it is, because this is it. This is our last regular Goldblum episode of the podcast. It's really happening. We're, we're, wow. we're done. <laughs> That's it. We have fully caught up with the career of Jeff Goldblum. Next week, we'll be releasing our Goldblum finale episode, where we'll count down our favorite Goldblum films, our favorite Goldblum performances, and a lot more. And then it's going to be time to finally figure out who should be the subject of The Complete Works Season 3. Yes, yes. It's going to be a scary time for a couple weeks where we don't know what's going to be next. Uh, and then we'll have figured it out and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess. There's, there's a great unknown coming at us over the course of the next couple of weeks. And then uh, suddenly we'll, we'll have an idea of what the future of the podcast is going to look like, which, of course, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago during our State of the Podcast address when Mike forgot to watch The Mountain. <laughs> okay. You didn't need that last part. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's the reason the address took place. Fair. Yeah, true. Uh, and of course, like we mentioned in that episode, don't worry, we will still be releasing new bonus episodes every time Goldblum comes out with a new movie, similar to what we do with Nicolas Cage. So your Jurassic World Dominion review is still to come like a couple of weeks after we finish up the Goldblum podcast. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of my friends uh, were like, oh, don't worry, you won't have to see Jurassic World Dominion because they were sharing that quote from Colin Trevorrow where he said that one dinosaur is the joker and i was like no i I will i will still have to see it unfortunately uh but i'm excited quote unquote yeah i i am looking forward to it uh colin trevor's track record is not like much to speak of i think and i know we're not big fans of the first jurassic world but i think we both really came around on jurassic world fallen kingdom where we were both like that movie secretly kind of rocks oh 100 and you know bringing back goldblum sam neill and laura dern i mean you get you got me i'm in yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's two stars right there exactly uh so for this last episode of the podcast though jurassic world dominion that can wait for this last episode of the regular season we're kind of breaking our own rules a little <laughs> bit uh and that's kind of what mike was saying where he's like glad that he convinced me to do this episode which i didn't need like a lot of convincing actually what really happened is because we knew that jeff goldblum was going to appear on this show it was kind of on the horizon, and it was a show I already wanted to start watching, and Mike started watching it and got really into it, and then got me into it, too. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's done a lot of TV work, and it would be a daunting task to try to track down every TV show episode he's ever been in, uh, especially if it's for a show we never watched, and therefore don't have any context for. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, he's a lot of guest stars, you know? Yes, and he popped up on like shows that I have seen. He's been on The Simpsons and Friends and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, even then, it's one of those things where we didn't want to get bogged down with all that kind of stuff, so we limited ourselves when it came to TV by only covering TV movies or 
TV shows in which Goldblum was a main cast member and then only covering his first two episodes or so on the show. Uh, so like 10 Speed and Brown Shoe or Reigns. Remember Reigns? Yeah. 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 And, then of, and then, of course, uh, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, uh, which got Mike onto the Criminal Intent train for a little while. I believe that slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did two and a half or three seasons uh, and then haven't. I stopped. I gave up. <laughs> It's yeah. it 10 seasons, just too much. I mean, the beauty of that is that, uh, you know, you can drop Law & Order for a while and then come back to it and just kind of pick up right where you left off and you won't really have missed all that much. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, nothing changes. Exactly. But uh, this week, we are talking about a show in which Goldblum was not main cast, but he does play a pretty major recurring role in its final season, which debuted all at once on HBO Max earlier this year. And since it is a show that we were both really into, and again, Mike got into it first, credit where it's due, we thought it would be a fun one to end our series on. So today, Mike and I are talking season five of Search Party. I believe that if people don't awaken soon, something very bad will happen to us. I have to save everyone from their pain. I died, and then I came back. I can see the world so clearly now. I see through the lies and the illusions. That's a level of narcissism that none of us can relate to. If that's not what crazy looks like, I don't know what is. She needs, like, real help. Dory's ideas could change the course of human history. We can not only know love, but be love. You're starting a revolution. Oh, don't you feel it? <laughs> manja, manja, manja! Let's go! This is the We are trying to accomplish something that has never been done before. To sell enlightenment? I'm with you. Me too. Let's do this. This is the revolution. You sound crazy. I'm devoted. Mm -hmm. Things are going to get rocky. They might try to stop us. What you believe is not reality. But they can never take away our light. Dory is not well. You are in great danger. Do you know what's coming? Total annihilation! Good luck to us all. Uh... Today, humanity's true nature is revealed. You did it again. We are evolving. So Search Party is a dark comedy series uh, which premiered on TBS in 2016. Uh, the show ran for two seasons there and was renewed for a third. But then Warner Brothers decided to shuffle all of their properties around <laughs> to coincide with the launch of HBO Max. And uh, as Mike noted, actually, last week on Mike Mike Go to the Movies, uh, all TV production on TBS and TNT is now basically shut down entirely. Right, Mike? Yeah, at least that's what the headline of that one article said. And that's that's very scary. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Uh, yeah, they're funneling like everything into their streaming service now. So season two of the show aired in 2017. And then as a result of all the reshuffling, there was a three year wait for the next season of the show. Uh, wow. So season three premiered on HBO Max shortly after it launched in June 2020. 
And they were already underway filming season four when it came out. So it, that then premiered just seven months later uh, in January 2021. So there was a three year gap between seasons. And then suddenly season three and four came out like almost back to back. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it's super weird, especially considering what kind of show Search Party is, where every season is so drastically different than the season before it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's some whiplash right there. Yeah, and in the middle of COVID, I guess, right? If, if season four is coming out in 2021. Right. Interesting. Although that makes sense for season four a little bit. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, that, may, that may have been an easier season to film uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in a COVID world than other seasons would be. Uh, and now, a year later, the final season premiered in its entirety on January 7th, 2022, uh, Search Party was created by Michael Showalter of What Had American Summer and Sarah Violet Bliss and Charles Rogers, who also directed a movie together called Fort Tilden back in 2014. Uh, Bliss and Rogers were the showrunners of the show, while Showalter was kind of an executive producer of the show and uh, acted in a small supporting role during the early seasons. Uh, so now when the show starts, it's about a group of millennial friends searching for a girl they knew in college who has gone missing. And from there, every season of the show takes on like a new identity. So season one is a murder mystery. And season two is this psychological thriller. Season three is a courtroom drama. Season four is a kidnapping drama. And then season five takes on elements of surreal science fiction and horror. And that's where Jeff Goldblum comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He plays tech billionaire Tunnel Quinn, who enters into a business partnership with Dory Seif after her near-death experience in an attempt to create a pill for enlightenment. Uh, Now, Dory is put by Aaliyah Shawkat, otherwise best known as Maybe on Arrested Development. Uh, Her on-and-off boyfriend, Drew Gardner, is played by John Reynolds, who also plays Officer Callahan on Stranger Things. Yeah, Uh, that blew my mind when we figured that out while we were watching this. (laughs) Yeah, he's on like many episodes of Stranger Things. He's on a lot of it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and recently of the new movie, uh, Save Yourselves, which Mike talked about uh, Mike, Mike to the movies last week. Their friend Elliot Goss is played by comedian John Early, uh, who's also recently seen on The After Party on Apple TV+. Uh, and their actress friend, Portia Davenport, is played by Meredith Hagner, uh, recently seen in the movie Palm Springs. Uh, from there, a few other recurring characters from throughout the series appear on this season, including Claire McNulty as Chantal Witherbottom and Jeffrey Selv as Mark, Elliot's partner. Uh, also recurring or guest starring this season include Kathy Griffin as Licorice, uh, which is a Run Ronnie Run reunion right there. Uh, Whoa. She never shares a scene with Jeff Goldblum, I don't think, but uh, still. And I'm pretty sure they don't in Run Ronnie Run either. So, so yeah. there you go. Comedian Aparna Nanchala plays Dr. Benny Balthazar. Film director John Waters plays Sheffield, the head of an adoption agency. Aunt May, Spider-Man's Rosemary Harris, uh, plays Beatrice Hamsdale. Trudy Styler, who is the wife of Sting, plays Winifred Hamsdale. And uh, hey, let's give a shout out to Ileana Douglas uh, yes. as a member of the Jesper Society. <laughs> <laughs> but I was my friends didn't know why I was like cheering when she showed up uh, while we were watching that episode. <laughs> of course, uh, you know it's good to get a Pittsburgh reunion in under the wire here, right, Mike? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. What, what number does that? Does that bump Ileana Douglas up to? Is it just two? Are those just, the only just, two? just Pittsburgh and this, unless you count the uh, the short film that uh, Goldblum also popped up in that she directed. Yeah. Uh, the supermarket thing, right? The supermarket of the Stars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was it. Um, so yeah, I, I believe this counts as two. And, and again, she's only in one scene of the show and is not in a scene with Jeff Goldblum at all. Uh, but still, kind of cool that uh, she popped up here. Also in there, too, in that sequence, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, Scott Adza, and Michael Ian Black, uh, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yes, so we definitely will. That's that's one of my favorite uh, bits from this entire season of the show. The IMDb plot synopsis for Search Party reads, 
Search Party is a dark comedy about four self-absorbed 20-somethings who become entangled in an ominous mystery when a former college acquaintance suddenly disappears. Uh, so, Mike, before we get into season five of Search Party, you really start to break down this final season of the show. I want to talk to you about just the show in general. I mean, you were a fan of this. You started watching it, I believe it was last year, right? Yeah, it, it must have been. I wasn't really sure which season that dropped. It must have been season four when that dropped in January 21 that I was kind of like, oh, you know what? Maybe let me check this out. I've heard some stuff. Then, you know, now it's like on the top of the feed on the HBO Max, so it's like kind of there in your face. Yeah, you let the oh. algorithm dictate what uh, what you wanted next, right? <laughs> Sometimes, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> you just are a slave to the algorithm. And then I was like, all right, let me check it out. And I watched one episode, and I kind of bounced off it because they're just all the worst people. And I get that's the point. And I was like, I don't know. Okay, like sure, I understand what this is. And I was like, I mean, whatever. And then a couple weeks later, we had nothing to do in the in the Discord that I always talk about uh, on Mike and Mike go to the movies a lot. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw on episode two. And if anybody else wants to watch it, sure. You know, I'll be over here. So I put it on. I started watching it. And a couple people joined. And we were like, I don't... Is this anything? And then every episode just escalates and escalates. And then we were like, well, we have to watch this whole season right now. Uh, it's kind of like <laughs> what ended up happening. We were like, we just got it. We can't stop watching this. And then I was like, good news, everyone. There's four seasons. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah. Uh, so we just kept watching it for like two weeks. That was all we did <laughs> was, was watch all of Search Party, uh, all four seasons in like two weeks. And it absolutely blew me away. It's, like, you know, it's, it's insane. It is such a perfect like exercise in escalation and cliffhanger and and just like the rising action or whatever every every episode every season like you said kind of totally is a completely different tone and change you could say it covers a different crime every season <laughs> um and that's the crazy thing it starts as this goofy thing about these kind of listless millennials that don't know what to do with their lives so they pour all their attention into finding their friend Chantal in the first season, and then where we get to by the end of season four, and then even season five is outrageous. Um, but like, it is impossible if you were to tell somebody was to tell you like, here's the first episode. Guess where season five ends? <laughs> like, you it's you wouldn't be able to do it, and it's wild, and it's just it's hilarious, and every every. Every interaction, it's like just the worst kind of awkward humor, uh, but in the best way, like the worst awkward experiences, which usually I, I kind of shy away from. But first, there's something about, uh, I think, the performances. And every now and then, like a character almost is redeemed, is almost like, you're. I think this is the episode Drew will finally be a good person. And then and then he's not. And then you do the same thing for each person. You're like, oh, okay, this is where we're going to resolve that. Oh, no, they're still the just an absolute <laughs> bastard. Um <laughs> And for some reason, that's very funny and fun to watch. So yeah, this quickly became one of my favorite shows. And every person I've like told to watch it and be like, just get through the first two or three episodes, you know. Uh, and they're 22 minutes, so that's easy to do. They immediately binge the whole show. Like they immediately fall in love with it. So uh, it's crazy. It's crazy how good the show is. Yeah, uh, I I remember seeing ads for Search Party when it was first premiering on TBS and thinking it looked pretty cool. And uh, they had Michael Showalter's name in a lot of the ads and stuff. And mm. I was a huge White American Summer fan. They came together. Like uh, I'm a huge fan of a lot of the things that Michael Showalter does. So I was interested in the show. I wanted to watch it, and I had heard really good things. Like I I remember hearing like you know early reviews were really great, and uh, I heard people talking about it. But uh, the problem was 
it was on TBS and I just never remembered to watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it was kind of one of those things where if it's on one of those like basic cable channels that is mostly there to service me with like reruns of Seinfeld, I'm going to forget that there's new stuff available for me. Uh, and there was like other shows in TBS that I wanted to like, I, you know, loved Conan O'Brien. I, I was diehard Conan O'Brien, used to tape late night every single night. I used to tape the Tonight Show every single night when he was on NBC. And then for some reason, when he moved to TBS, I was on it for a while and then I just kind of fell off of it. And then I like years later, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Conan's still on TV. And now he's not. And I'm like weirdly sad that he's not on TV anymore. But like I haven't regularly watched Conan in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never uh, went out of your way. Exactly. So uh, honestly, like the move to HBO Max, even though it kind of caused a delay in the proceedings as far as when the seasons came out, I think the move to HBO Max was probably the best for Search Party because it allowed it to have a much wider audience of people who could more readily watch the show, which was nice, at least. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, that's how you ended up watching it. And uh, I think it was both the combination of Jeff Goldblum getting cast in the show, which we both saw happen. Uh, I think it was before you started watching it. We saw that Jeff Goldblum was going to be on it, right? No, I don't remember because if I wa- was watching it, if I watched it right when season four had come out around that time, so I don't think season five was announced or the oh, casting really? stuff was announced yet. Yeah, okay, I don't really remember. Okay, so, so you had already watched the show and then you you were really into it. Yes. Uh, and then the announcement came through that Jeff Goldblum was going to be on season five and you were like, we got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, this is this is my in to yes. get you to con- convince you to finally watch it. Not that you needed convincing, but... That final push, like why we started Mike uh, makes Mike watch on the other podcast, because sometimes you get the recommendation and you just like, yeah, I'll file that away. Exactly, uh, yeah, and with, especially with a TV show, it's it's often yeah. it's, it's difficult to just like embark on a new journey uh, with a show because that's you know a big time commitment. And with Search Party, uh, that was kind of the case where it built up four seasons. I'd heard nothing but great things. Uh, but I just wasn't watching it for whatever reason I wanted to. And then uh, this Jeff Goldblum thing and the fact that you were pushed to make me watch it. And I was like, OK, yeah, it's finally time. We're watching Search Party. And so me and my girlfriend have been watching Search Party and we got hooked. I think we're basically in the same boat as you where first couple episodes you know, took, took a little bit of getting used to, I think, is, is what it was. You, you have to kind of get on the show's wavelength over those first few episodes. And then once you are, though, and then once you kind of get wrapped up in the mystery, it just escalates and goes in crazier and crazier directions every single episode and then over the course of several seasons you know by the time you get to the end of season two i think it is like okay i could see where like i could see the trajectory of like how the show got to here from there yeah uh, but by the time you get to the end of season four you're like how the fuck like, what is this show even <laughs> yeah like how is this a thing <laughs> i think you know? that's the most radical change between seasons three and four four is the most dissimilar to the other seasons i think yeah and four four is a really strange season there are many many Great. That that one took me a little bit of time to kind of acclimate to, I guess. I, I really liked it by the end of it. But when it first started, I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this new plot that the show is doing. But I think partially because I really loved season three, too. I think season three is my favorite season of the show, yeah. um, which is the uh, the courtroom drama season uh, in which, uh, you know, and by the way, full spoilers for Search Party from here on out, I think, yeah. is, is how this episode is going to have to be, um, because there's so much stuff that we have to talk about for the entirety of the show, just before we even get into season five with the Jeff Goldblum stuff. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is a Jeff Goldblum podcast, and Jeff Goldblum is not the show, we promise. We're but season, there. But season three of Search Party has Drew and Dory on trial for the murder of uh, Ron Livingston's character, Keith. Yes. Uh, and the entire season is just that trial basically uh and the finale of that of that season ends with them getting off they are found innocent by the jury and they go home and then almost immediately dory is kidnapped yeah (laughs) by someone that we thought had died like two episodes earlier 
Correct. Yes. But the reveal where, <laughs> so they're also being blackmailed by their neighbor, April, uh, and right. they reveal that she has a twin named June <laughs> um, yep. after they've killed April. And then June busts into the courtroom at the end of season three. I have the diaries. I have proof. I have yep. hard evidence that they committed murder. And it's written in like their twin language, so it's not English. <laughs> is the funniest, like the high, the lo- like the roller coaster of emotions that is. Because you, yes. you, they let you believe it for like a minute, and then she goes out to like a press conference and starts reading it in, in gibberish. <laughs> and it's the funniest fucking thing. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean that that is the great thing about the show. It really felt like anything could happen at any given time, and there were so many. Uh, smoking guns and red herrings for like, yeah. you know, everything that was going to be happening. And I think it did such a good job of like weaving stuff in uh, throughout the seasons that would pay off in later seasons that I really enjoyed. And even then there are, there are stuff that I would expect to pay off that just like didn't, they were just like a thing that they threw out there and you're expecting, Oh, that'll come back to bite them in the ass. And then, Oh, it just never gets addressed again. Like there's the scene. I think it's the beginning of season two when they're heading back home from Canada and you know, they've just murdered Keith and they've like covered it up. Portia has to take like a selfie with like, the traffic yeah. guard, like the, the, border, the border guard. guard yeah. When the trial was happening, I was like, oh man, that selfie's out there. That's going to prove they were traveling back from Canada. But that never came up. That like yeah. it never came up. And it was just like a red herring to kind of keep you guessing about what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you know that one gif from Breaking Bad that's just Jesse going, he can't keep getting away with it. It's that for 50 episodes. Uh, yes. If you think about it, really. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Sur- Search Party is a wild and insane show uh, that we both really enjoyed the ride of. You know, the entire core cast is is so good as these four completely self-absorbed people. I, I think especially uh, Meredith Hagner as Portia is my favorite. She's just oh my God. unbelievably good uh, in this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She started, uh, like, you know, intentionally, like, I think just like one of the worst characters uh like least interesting like most one-dimensional two-dimensional what do you think where she ends up in season five uh is in like light years apart and yeah her her evolution as a character to has it makes her like one of my probably my favorite of the four yeah, definitely. So uh, so season five of Search Party, the entire show is out now. Season five premiered in January. Mike, what are your overall thoughts on this final season of the show? I think um, season five is very good, and I, but I th- overall, but I think individual episode wise, it might be the most hit or miss for me. Um, Interesting. I think the first like four or five episodes, I don't, I didn't really find myself laughing a ton in those first four episodes or five. I forget when a certain alter ego is introduced dr carpet whenever dr carpet shows up i was like ah this is search party uh (laughs) but and that but that moment when when dr carpet steals pills uh like puts the you know pedal to the metal for the rest of the season and like kind of propels the entire plot for the back half of the season through in motion and that's really where i was like okay i'm in and now like shit is getting crazy we're escalating we're doing the thing we're in the wacky hijinks situations uh and from then on i really loved it um but i think all the performances are very good in season five i think uh jeff goldblum is excellent uh as like an elon musk mark zuckerberg you know tech billionaire skiering um yep that he's hunting himself in the holodeck is fucking hilarious um <laughs> And I thought it was going to be real for a second because, like, I don't know what this show is going to be. So, like, when that moment happens, I was like, he's hunting clones of himself. Amazing. Um, and then it's revealed to be the holodeck. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think he's really great. Uh, I think all the guest stars are very good. I was surprised that John Waters had a recurring role. I thought he would just be, like, a one little guest 
like, oh, this is fun. This is John Waters as the right. adoption guy. He shows up a couple times. I think overall, it's a very good season. Uh, it, it's the only, when it ended, and I kind of like sat back and was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> when you stop and think about <laughs> this show, you're like, where could they go? They have to continue the escalation from season to season, right? The whole trajectory of the show. Like, this is the only logical conclusion for where this show has to end, which is hilarious that I never thought about it until 10 minutes before it ends. You're like, oh, this is where we're going. Um, That's such a wild sentence that this ending is the logical (laughs) conclusion (laughs) to this story. Yeah, I I think Search Party Season 5 is every bit as funny and insane as the previous seasons. I still really enjoyed it overall. I do kind of agree with you that uh, some elements of it are kind of hit and miss. And I think think it's maybe like the parts are more than the whole, I guess, here. Because there are individual subplots that I think are like the best thing the show has ever done. Like the the subplot with uh, Mark and Elliot's kid, I thought was like, incredible all the way through the demon child that uh, yeah. they adopted from the adoption agency like damien-esque kid who yeah. is just like you know very proper and like always speaking in, like you know speaking in proper sentences and always always wearing a suit and just like a weird off off-putting kid uh is really terrific i think the jesper society plot is only one episode long but it's the funniest thing ever uh <laughs> you know there's there's so many good things throughout the season but i think maybe <laughs> I think maybe it flies a little too close off the rails a mm. bit in its final couple of episodes. And I think I think it comes back around. And like, you know, I think we may be dancing around a little bit. And like I said, full spoilers ahead. The show ends with the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it does. Uh, that is caused by our main characters. When it does that, it's a it's a hard pivot into zombie stuff. Because the first like seven episodes of the season are this like thing where Dory has had this near-death experience after the end of season four. It seemed like she died. Uh, turns out the entire season four finale was actually like a vision or a dream that Dory was having, right? Yeah. Uh, and so season five starts with Dory uh, waking up in a hospital room and her friends like put her in a mental hospital just to get rid of her. But she's like enlightened now. She like believes that she has like touched the face of God and she like understands the meaning of life and she wants to bring that to everyone else. Uh, and her message starts to gain traction thanks to her partnership with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and they start uh, taking on these uh, social media influencers. And it starts to become like this cult of Dory Seif. Right. Uh, and it's that for like seven episodes, like this sort of like skewering of cult stuff, which I was really enjoying. And then it turns into a zombie apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. like, I think it's at the end of episode seven or eight, it turns into zombie stuff. When it does that, I was like, oh, Okay, and I was still into it. I was enjoying it, um, but it sort of felt like when I saw From Dusk Till Dawn for the first time, and I was so into the crime movie that the first half of the movie was. Yeah. Uh, and then the vampire stuff, which comes out of nowhere in From Dusk Till Dawn, about halfway through the movie, is still fun. I like the vampire stuff of Dusk Till Dawn, um, but there was that initial disappointment where I was like, hmm, I kind of wish I could see the rest of this crime movie that was happening. <laughs> And I, I sort of felt that with this. I, I sort of felt like I wish I could see the rest of this cult stuff that uh, <laughs> has been happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I agree to some extent, but it was the it's the the like logical, like I said, extension, the, the conclusion of where this has to go, knowing it's the final season, knowing wh- what is the thing you can't escalate beyond. It's the apocalypse, it's the zombie apocalypse. And also right. uh, Dory is sort of right <laughs> the whole time because her whole vision, she needs to spread peace and love and and uh, create these pills so everyone can be enlightened or else the world will end. And then she makes the world end, <laughs> 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 which is hilarious. And yeah, I, w- I wasn't really sure how I felt about the uh, Aspen, I think is the, the demon child's name. Um, you weren't big on Aspen? I, 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 I loved Aspen. <laughs> 
I thought I thought a lot of his scenes, like the stuff around him, was very funny. Particularly when Mark sends Elliot the video, like I think I need a safe word for what I'm in real danger. And he's the video of Aspen just eating a raw steak. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but then, but then Aspen himself doesn't necessarily go anywhere. Like he becomes a zombie and is killed or whatever at the end in the final episodes. But like I get that it's the inciting incident that makes Elliot steal the pills that they discover are the jelly beans. That's true. Which kicks off the whole plot where the like experiment ends or whatever. Uh, the company. Yeah, the, that moment where where Goldblum Tunnel Quinn uh, is like t- talking to Dory is like, no, this is impossible. This isn't a real thing. We're gonna make a fake thing. It's full of a ton of hype increase the value of the company and then we're going to sell it and all profit what are you what are you talking about <laughs> like that was his whole thing the whole time uh it's just like the the, the sudden villain turn because up until then he's uh, you know on board presenting as if he's on board like yeah he believes in this mission that dory has and wants to put all of his resources behind it and then he becomes a bad bad guy because billionaires are evil and then, <laughs> then he gives the cut co- the cops so back to like all the the crazy details that always come up like the fact that because tunnel quinn is like exposed as a fraud or whatever he gives his like automated cars you know self-driving cars a fleet of them to the nypd uh, and then they keep causing destruction because they can't open or close the doors and then the yeah. zombies get in and then they automatically drive back to the city and spread it even more. All that shit's very good. Very uh, chef's kiss, you know? Yes, I, I enjoyed all that stuff. But uh, I think going back to uh, what you're saying with like Aspen kind of like fizzles oh, yeah. out because of the zombie stuff, I think a lot of the subplots actually kind of fizzle out because of the zombie stuff, which is partially what uh, like what my issue was too, where yeah. it's like, oh man, I wish I could see like the ending of this Aspen thing or the ending of like whatever happens between Dory and Portia, like how, how dependent Portia has become on Dory and stuff here. And uh, you know, whatever happens with Jeff Goldblum, we don't really see what happened to him after uh, he leaves the company uh, after that. I, I, yeah. I, there might be like an Easter egg where you like see his fo- photo on a missing wall or something. I don't mm. know, but uh, you know, I, you don't really see what happens to Goldblum. So I feel like a lot of the subplots, uh, that the series was doing throughout the season um, just kind of get dropped in like episode eight because of the zombie stuff, which again makes sense because zombies like that's a more immediate threat than like anything else that's happening on the show. You know, it's the only plot line that that makes it all the way through the end of the show is uh, this season, at least the, through this whole season is Chantal and licorice, which is fucking hilarious <laughs> when Chantal becomes like the Mad Max savior of, yeah. <laughs> of everybody. <laughs> But then also thinks it's her fault. Like, she also has to center herself because she's also very narcissistic. Yep. Uh, She's like, all because she couldn't kill her husband in the future because he's a child now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is a plot from Terminator, basically. Uh, Yep. But all because she couldn't do that, the apocalypse happens. Meanwhile... There's the actual plot of the season going on. It's hilarious. Yes, which is uh, which is so perfect. And it's, it's just anytime Chantal appears on screen, which she only like she pops away a couple times a season, it feels like she's not like part of the main cast. Uh, and like the entire show was built around finding Chantal. I think right? season two, she's in a lot. Because that's when she, they found her. Yes, yeah, she's in a good uh, a good chunk of season two, and then after that, she pops up like a couple times a season, and every time it's like to cause as much chaos as physically possible. Yeah, uh, and it's incredible. It's all it's always like she's the the probably the worst person on the show, honestly. If we're like going through the, all yeah. the characters, and that's saying a lot. And uh, she is just so compelling to watch. There's one episode in season four that is just an all Chantal episode. They they just, like, just broken Dory out of the kidnapping situation. Uh, and there's an episode that shows what Chantal's been doing this whole time. And she does like this book deal and she's going on a talk show and stuff and <laughs> oh everything. Uh, and like the reveal 
of like the book that like fell out the window and like hit Chloe Feynman in the head and sent her to the hospital uh, is incredible. And, you know, getting her on the talk show and like people thinking that she is like a child who wrote the book and it's like a genius child. But if an adult wrote this, it'd be ridiculous. It'd be an, an insane person thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out, yeah, it was Chantal who wrote it. Uh, just unbelievable. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, when it's revealed, like th- when this season wraps her back around to who threw the book off the off the roof to Chantel's book is the funniest yep. fucking thing. One of the other things too that I I do really like about season five is like all the recurring characters and or uh, guest characters and stuff, and the guy that plays Kiku or whatever his like the pool boy that Aspen drowns over <laughs> yeah. wanting ice cream is from Los Spookies, which is another HBO show that I made my friends watch the morning before <laughs> we watched all season five. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause Fred Armisen, it was a whole Fred Armisen connection or whatever. So I was like, do you ever make you guys watch list of spookies? It's only six 20 minute episodes. Uh, and we did. And then I was like, Oh shit, I got to watch all season five today. And then he shows up in this and we're like, ah, it's one of those moments where, you know, those things happen. Um, nice. And the Jesper society is probably the funniest thing that's ever been put on TV <laughs> where you just suddenly walk into the plot of it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the adult, the 30 years later, plot of it yes yeah <laughs> he, he's talking to the bartender and the bartender like calls the rest of the jesper society and drew's standing behind him and it's like it's happening again and drew's just like what's happening again? <laughs> just, <laughs> just trying to keep up with what's happening because everybody in the jesper society is like talking to each other in riddles <laughs> yeah and yeah the i thought what i thought was happening right so that's the a woman walks up to dory on the street and like slices her face with a blade yes um and drew picks it up and un- uncovers the jesper society carved into the handle and he starts googling and doing this whole thing and he googles whatever a ho- motel it is or hotel and i thought it was gonna be the hotel Chantal wrote the poem about remember because she wrote like smelly motel or what, like i thought that's <laughs> right. what it was gonna be and that was her cover story for why she was missing i thought that's what it was gonna be which would have been outrageous and then it turns out to just be even more outrageous and that you, <laughs> you literally walk into the adult half of it where Ileana douglas is explaining like there was this evil entity that fed on fear called the jesper and dory's like i do or drew is like i don't care what was her last name <laughs> Just trying to get it out of them. And they finally give him the last name. And just his reaction was like, oh, my God. Thank you. He's like storming out of there. Why was it the hardest fucking thing I've ever had to do in my life? So I just have a very simple question. I'm just trying to track down the woman who owned this. Holy Toledo. He's bad. Oh, no. Jesper? This is bad. This is bad. (gasps) My lip. It's back. After 30 years, it's back. It's him. It's him. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? All right, all right, all right. All right. Don't get hysterical. We're, We're going to be okay. Well, I have a family. I can't get them involved. You have a family? I do. Just, can somebody tell me what's happening? Or, uh, like, What is this? We all have them. Jasper Society. I thought this was over. Apparently, he's found a new host. Okay, so the woman who stabbed my friend, she had this. <gasps> Matilda! Thetha, be here! I called her. She did not pick up. What is, what, what's Matilda's last name? I can't do this! I'm not strong! I can't do it! Not Polly? again! Polly! I can't. Don't get scared, Polly. That's what the Jesper wants. Fear is it feeds on! What's Matilda's last name, though? It's so good. <laughs> 
And then when they put it, when we put it together, or they tell us eventually that it's the doctor's wife from the first episode that Dory like incepted. Um, you right. know, where he's like, "You don't belong here. You have to get out of here." He's like trying to argue for her release uh, instead of being a psychologist. Is wild. I don't, everything of uh, the way that they do the the like conspiracy board, you know, red string connections and all that stuff throughout the whole season is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I I do really like the the full circle way that uh, the show ends too. Which again, I I think the zombie apocalypse stuff. I still liked it a lot. I think it's a shame that some of the other subplots get lost in the shuffle. But the way it kind of ends with the same shot of Dory looking at the missing posters from like the very first shot of the first episode of Search Party is Dory looking at the missing poster for Chantal. And then this the series finale of the show ends with Dory looking at the wall of missing posters from people who have gone missing from the zombie apocalypse yeah. that she has caused. And there's like this weird kind of smile on her face almost. Like it's mm-hmm. it's an ambiguous kind of read on what her face is where almost like self-satisfied that like, oh, my life meant something because this happens. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Especially like seeing Gail die right before that as a zombie who she used to work for. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, I think, the only time you hear the entire theme song, quote unquote, which you only ever hear one line of uh, when the title right. screen pops up. And it was hilarious to you because on HBO Max with subtitles on, it's just, uh, you know, like auto subtitling or whatever. It's a, it's different every fucking episode of what that line is. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I have no that, idea what that song is. It's, it's, it's Obadir, but like sometimes it says, oh, but dear, or like, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Over there. Like it just yeah. is just awful. It's so, it's bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like that, that moment, it's very powerful where it's the, the same shot, you know, the whole wall of the missing posters, the whole, yes. you hear the whole song this time uh, and then roll credits, you know? Yeah. You roll credits there. And that's the end of search party season five, but Hey, Jeff Goldblum's in this. We should talk about the fact that Jeff Goldblum is in <laughs> Search yeah. Party Season 5. This is a Jeff Goldblum podcast. It's our final Goldblum episode before the Goldblum finale. We should mention him at least a little bit, right? Yeah, we should talk a little bit about him. Uh, so Jeff Goldblum appears as Tunnel Quinn, the tech billionaire, uh, who's first introduced in the second episode of Season 5, uh, kind of through Dory's phone, and then really gets the main spotlight in Episode 3 of this season and uh when goldblum shows up man he is just so much fun there's so much energy to his performance what did you think of goldblum on search party mike yeah i think i think he's great in this he is you know i don't know one of my friends kind of put it as he's just being like goldblum sure which yes yeah i guess you know To, to to the degree where like that's always an element of like most of his performances yes yeah I was like, clearly you haven't watched 86 of his movies, uh, <laughs> is how I felt about that. But yeah, I think, I think he is doing the, the shtick a little bit that he always does, but it, but it works so well in this type of character, the kind of like quirky tech guy, you know, like the popular conception of what a billionaire is. Uh, and then it's eventually revealed that he's evil, yep. but, but like the whole thing where he, if we're going to the center of the universe or center of the planet, uh, in the elevator is such an incredible like bit at the beginning of this season right yeah. i think this was one of the trailers or whatever was this scene but just having drew be like mr quinn turn this thing around that is an order uh, like having him thinking he's got any authority is fucking hilarious um he's great goldblum is great and uh, and uh I, I think he's he's pretty perfectly cast as like that kind of wacky guy but also maybe a big thinker which is funny you know to preempt your question uh like it it tracks a lot with the world according to Jeff Goldblum, which is really weird to say. <laughs> it feels like Goldblum would have visited the Tunnel Industries headquarters in an episode of World According to Jeff Goldblum, you know? I, I, think, I mean, he did visit a tech company in one of the episodes that we saw. Exactly. So, okay. yeah, po- possible inspiration for, uh, for Tunnel Quinn. 
Yeah, all that all that time with the uh, Adidas CEO. Uh, or Adidas. <laughs> uh, sorry, Adidas. Yeah, Adidas. <laughs> yes, good, good. Please. Uh, yeah, no, I think Goldblum is pretty much perfect casting for this role. I mean, you get if you describe eccentric and charismatic billionaire like ideal, you get Goldblum. I mean, that's he's the guy. He's yeah. the guy you cast for that. Uh, you know, and he has a lot of fun playing off of the cast. But like you said, he turns kind of evil towards the end. There's something sinister about him under the surface. And I think that's there from the beginning of his performance. Like it's always there just from his first introduction where he is pretending that they are going to the center of the earth and all that kind of stuff. And like really messing with their minds just like from the outset, uh, which I remember when that before I had watched search party, that scene became available online, like a one minute version of that scene. Um, and I didn't know much about the show other than that it was a murder mystery show in which characters were looking for <laughs> a missing person, right? And I assumed that, like, maybe they had found that person and, like, the show had evolved past that. But, like, I didn't really know what it was about now. Uh, and I decided, you know what, I'll check out this clip. I haven't watched the show yet. I don't even know if I'm going to end up watching Search Party yet. Uh, so I watched the clip, and I watched, like, 10 seconds of it, and I saw them going down to the center of the earth, and I was like... This show has taken some turns. <laughs> some, some things have escalated. Yeah, so so I assume they were actually going to the center of the earth for real on the show, which they weren't. But if they did, I don't think it would have been so far off from what the show normally does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which is what makes that like work so perfect as like a meta thing in the show. Because you're like, yeah, why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I think I think that may be part of the reason why the zombie apocalypse stuff and I, I don't mean to keep going back that mm. again I did like the zombie stuff but I think with all the insanity and the crazy twists and turns that the show has done up to this point for the first four seasons despite how crazy they were they were all things that could like conceivably happen in the real world right theoretically like it's all stuff that like could theoretically happen and I'm not saying the zombie apocalypse is a definite like it can happen and I think in the way that it happens in the show, that's probably the way it would happen in real life yep, if, it, yep. if it were to actually happen. But it does feel like a step maybe just a little bit too far uh, from what before was, despite the fact that it got crazy and wild in so many different ways, it felt almost grounded to the real world, like real world logic. Yeah. When they pull off the exploding bus trick, I don't remember what episode that is. Eight, that's like se- season eight, I th- episode eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of where like we just were going, you know, to have full full fledged zombie stuff coming up after that is sort of where you're like, okay, I guess it's sort of like where the suspension of disbelief <laughs> has to really kick in. Yes, well, they, uh, have, they have a scientist guy on the team who knows how to do things, right? So yeah. there's that. <laughs> exactly, I I love that that his character Drew is like when he's first introduced. Drew's like, oh yeah, that pop scientist. He's like a total considered a total hack by like the legitimate science community. And then he's like the one synthesizing this the the drugs or whatever, which I mean, I yeah. guess turn out to cause zombies. Yes, but he actually like does know how to do things. Uh, yeah, which exactly. is, is pretty good. I, I mean, the influencers. I mean, uh, we we were just talking to uh, Mike Emmons on the other podcast, Mike Mike of the movies, and he gave like quick 30 seconds thoughts on uh, search party and uh, he seemed to enjoy the final season. But he did mention that uh, you know the influencers were a little bit grating, uh, mm-hmm. which. I think they are, but they are meant to be for sure. They are supposed to be very annoying. The other characters think they are annoying <laughs> yeah. on the show, uh, except for Dory. But like Portia can't stand them and all that kind of stuff, which part of that is because they're like horning in on her territory because she's suddenly in love with Dory now, uh, oh. which is also one of my favorite one of my favorite subplots of this season, by the way. Yeah, the th- the, the like love triangle between Drew, Dory and uh Portia is so fucking funny because none of them realize that it's happening. Um, yes. And especially because Drew and Portia like don't want to be in a relationship together, but they kind of like start off the season. And they're like, well, I guess we're the only ones who like understand each other. So like, should, should we take our clothes off? Like, <laughs> that, <laughs> like 
is also one of the funniest moments in the season, which is like right at the beginning where, where they're like, should we have sex? And he's like, yeah. And just Drew slowly unzipping his jacket very loudly (laughs) is like incredible. Like, I don't know why that's so funny. Uh, the, the comedy they find in this show is just amazing. Yes. Um, but then, uh, as, as the season goes on and, you know, Dory kind of reenters their lives, um, Portia especially becomes so enamored with Dory and like her new outlook on life and her enlightenment. Uh, and she becomes like Dory's like number two, like her close sec- second and they become lovers. Like she becomes like obsessed with her and like is drinking her bath water at one point yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then Drew also rekindles his romance with Dory as well. Um, and at first seems like he's with Dory again and then he's back off again. And like he's like confronting her again because he thinks that she's gone crazy. And then, uh, it's ultimately revealed that like no matter what Drew cannot escape Tori like it just never like yeah like that, that's is his ultimate downfall throughout the show is that uh, Drew cannot escape his feelings for Tori yeah yeah and she like, kind of confronts him about that towards the end of the season where she's like you either need to just like fully get on board and support me or like get out of here like leave yeah. this is the mo- that was where we were like is drew finally gonna be a good person now he's yeah. been so close we we were so disappointed when drew ended up being their getaway driver oh my god <laughs> it's like so no <laughs> drew you bastard you were uh, right there you were just taken hostage by dory like 12 hours ago <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah and then uh and then no he's all in but even throughout the whole show he's always been like that where he's the one that kills keith uh in season one right in defense of dory but still Uh, but then then also the subplot of him working at the at the foreclosing app tech thing it makes that goes nowhere (laughs) what is that it's just hilarious (laughs) to show that drew's a scumbag i guess right uh yeah so anyway we kind of got off off the rails here but goldblum very oh, good yeah. on the show. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah. This show is just too too fun to talk about. Exactly, yeah. But and and Goldblum ultimately is like he's a a pretty major supporting character for like a good stretch in the middle of the season. Um and then he's in six episodes total. He unfortunately kind of disappears uh from the last couple. And I would have liked to see how his character fared in the zombie apocalypse. I think that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. I think he has that um that last moment where he's like making his resignation to the press. Uh he announces he's giving the fleet of their self-driving cars to the NYPD. He's like, and I think it's a nice night, so I'm gonna walk home and he just throws the like speech over his shoulder and walks away uh, yes after he's been like kicked out of his company too after this yeah. whole situation right he's like uh, he, like the board has ousted him yes yeah for his role in the uh the light debacle the hostage situation that Dory yes. has created yeah and then and then he walks literally out of the show and never comes back yeah yes uh which is a little bit of a bummer because i would like to see a little bit more of him but uh he is great uh, with what he has given in the show, for sure. Uh, so how do you think this fits into the roles that we've seen Goldblum play so far, Mike? World According to Jeff Goldblum. I yep. feel like this kind of inquisitive nature, maybe some inspiration, like you said, some of the, the CEOs and stuff that he met doing that show feeds into that. I'm not really sure what else. I mean, he's played kind of, obviously, comedy roles like this before, guest, small guest appearances a little bit, obviously, sure. in, like Chef Goldblum and uh, stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not really 100 percent. What what other things to like specify? Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I you know the world according to Jeff Goldblum, I think is a possible inspiration for his character here, just in terms of like you know how he acts in that show and even just visiting the tech company in that one. Um, I also think this is weirdly similar to his role as the Grandmaster in Thor Ragnarok. 
I yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, just in, in terms of like the vibe that Goblin gives off, you know, he's the guy in charge. He's a weirdo. He's menacing. He controls a lot of people, um, but he has that like kind of fun, eccentric, like you know, ruling class energy that yeah. you know, he gives in Grandmaster, and then he also brings here in with Tunnel Quinn, uh, which I liked. And then also, it's a, it's not the first time that Goldblum has been involved with the creation of medical procedures, lest we forget Whoa. Threshold. Remember Threshold, Mike? Threshold, yes, of course. Groundbreaking <laughs> medical experiments with the race for the double helix, of course. Ex- yes, I was going to say that one too. Yeah, Life Story slash Race for the Double Helix, which Mike definitely watched. Watched it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, th- I think those ones are also kind of relevant to uh, his uh, his role here in Search Party. Both movies that I don't think we've talked about in a very long time. <laughs> Correct. I think only Double Helix because I forgot to watch The Mountain. Right. Um, yes. And the, th- I don't think Threshold has been referenced on the show probably since the Threshold episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, uh, you know, normally around this time we would do, you know, let's run it down scene by scene and all that kind of stuff. But this is an entire season of TV that uh, we didn't really take detailed notes on. Uh, so any other highlights of season five that you want to throw out there, Mike? Any uh, details about Search Party or even just the show as a whole? I mean, you know, at this point, we can just kind of talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think um, the most tragic and heartbreaking death. Uh, in season five with the apocalypse stuff is probably Mark uh, because he's like the like he's a bastard I guess like all of them but like he's Elliot's Drew like he just can't get away from this toxic relationship yeah as much as he wants to and routinely does until Elliot comes back <laughs> like he's getting proposed to I think in season two right in the supermarket <laughs> when Elliot shows up and interrupts them uh or Elliot proposes in the supermarket I think Elliot I think. proposes to him and uh Mark's boyfriend is just kind of standing there like yeah. really like they're <laughs> gonna go back to him <laughs> yeah uh and then at the beginning of this ep- season the the episode one Elliot's like I have something I have to do <laughs> he goes against Mark again uh and then he eats all eight jelly beans and like might turn into a super zombie um <laughs> hilarious but it's so sad he's the only character that like is kind of innocent in all of the main cast's shenanigans like he gets pulled into it rather That's than true. being a part of it yes but it's it's so like you know he's been a, a victim of elliot's negligence for the entire run of the show so it's perfect that this is the fate for him yeah you know? like yeah. of course this is what would happen to mark yeah. as a result of uh, his association with elliot and everything um but yeah i mean the the season three i think is when they're about to get married they're like having yes. their big wedding ceremony and uh, that's also one of my favorite moments in the entire show when mark uh, doesn't show up he like leaves elliot at the altar but portia is singing that song over and over again yes. what is she singing again i don't remember what song it is but she just keeps singing the chorus because eventually yes. she thinks he's gonna show up and, 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 she, and she just gets louder and louder as she keeps coming yeah. <laughs> uh which is unbelievable i think i think it might be the same song she's singing in the finale actually um oh maybe because yeah. they do uh and the finale in the final episode of the show they do like an epilogue after everything's gone down and now everybody lives in like these zombie city states like the last of us brooklyn now has like a population of like ten thousand or something like that and uh, the four of them are still alive and you see drew and dory have like just gotten married and porsche's on broadway and elliot's like playing the piano for her but like there's nobody there yeah uh, because (laughs) they don't know anybody anymore Yeah, yeah, I do love that. And it still ends with them just being the like same bastards because Elliot's like, I think I just need to get out of the city. Like everybody knows us here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to L.A. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's like a population of like 7,000 or something. But it's like, exactly. it's all. <laughs> yeah. I think that that whole like Mark is Mark's character is the is the saddest. <laughs> He's the most innocent. 
Uh, and then Chantal becomes, like we said, the Terminator or Sarah Connor, rather. Yes. Or like her version of Sarah Connor. I mean, the, the sequence, uh, I mean, the, the last couple of episodes where, you know, you see her like confront her family about like. That's the <laughs> that might be my favorite part. Her family's evolution is. Yes. Where they are, are like a family from money. They lose all their money because of Chantal. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly they gain their money back because of uh, I think I think it's Connor Ratliff who plays uh, her yeah. sister's husband from the George Lucas talk show. <laughs> he like had like a revelation about like an invention or like he invented something right he invents hot baby which is hot sauce for babies (laughs) (laughs) like a five-star restaurant and they're ordering all this stuff and he's like oh and bring the champagne for that you save for uh when the rich people come you know kind of thing he's like and by any chance you carry hot baby um and it becomes like a commercial for hot baby it's so fucking funny especially because he is like such a pushover like awful person in the first two seasons right uh, where i think they break up they're supposed to be getting a divorce at some point too uh where that ends up and then how they just become super wealthy over hot sauce for yeah and and i think it's a it's a hot sauce that he gets the idea for it because he like takes the drugs like chantal left out or something in season four right in that solo episode (laughs) yeah that he's like i took acid and thought of it um (laughs) which i forgot that happens in season four um yes which like chantal has like a a meeting with like you know great writers from throughout history and that kind of thing right which is a wild sequence i forgot about that (laughs) starter party is such a good show yeah man it's great uh but yeah that that sequence where uh chantal like confronts them and it's like it's like and uh, licorice like asking their permission to wed Chantal to prevent the guy coming back from the future to impregnate Chantal, which will bring about the apocalypse. And if she's married to licorice, then she can't get uh, impregnated by this future guy. Right. Right. <laughs> That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they see the newspaper clipping about the 90 year old man who is Chantal's son from the future, I think yeah. now, uh, <laughs> according to Licorice, and she's like, how could you cheat on me? Uh, and she has a heart attack and dies. Yes. Yeah. And the sequence where they're just in the hospital and uh, it's Abby Elliott as a uh, doctor baby who is like explaining yeah. to her that, uh, yeah, Licorice died and uh, she had just every disease imaginable <laughs> and you've definitely been exposed to it. So you should run like run a bunch of tests. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about the season, really. But what about you? What, anything else in particular you want to, you want to highlight? Any highlights? Uh, it was nice seeing uh, Griffin Newman again, who popped up yes. uh, real briefly. He he was in like two episodes of season one as Chantal's ex, uh, which are some really terrific episodes. That's that's kind of when the show like finds itself, I think. Yeah. Really kind of diving into Chantal's disappearance. And they, they have like a dinner party with Griffin Newman's character. And he just turns out to be kind of a weirdo. And he doesn't really know anything but he kind of leads them to their next clue and kind of thing. And then he disappears from the show and then he pops up in this like last episode kind of just like, Hey, Drew Dory as like, you know, the zombies are like kind of running and survivors are trying to get out of New York. Yeah. Uh, it's like a military thing. checkpoint and he's also in line. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and he's like, Hey, they, they're my friends. Like they he like, he like, as if he's like, as if he actually knows them, which really he doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of a nice like full circle moment. Cause he was kind of one of the first like major guest stars on the show. And like one of the first like people that like kind of got intertwined in the lives of Drew and Dory. So to have him kind of pop up at the end was kind of a cool thing. I, I was going to say he might be the first, but I think Rosie Perez might come in before him, but her character dies pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, my favorite thing I think about season one is that it like is sort of doing like almost a Twin Peaks, Laura Palmer, like deep, dark, mysterious history thing. Yeah. Which makes the reveal at the end of season one when Chantal is just like, I needed to like disconnect from my phone for a weekend. Uh, <laughs> even funnier. <laughs> like that's all it was. Uh, and they think they've uncovered a criminal underground. Yes. Uh, poor, poor Matthew. Also, the the <sighs> Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, the purest boy. Right. Who I think uh, they just like mention off screen, like mention in dialogue that he died off screen, right? Like yeah, a mountain climbing yeah. accident or something. 
Yeah, just like, oh, so sad Matt, you died. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Also, also in season five, I mean, with the zombie stuff, uh, there's the sequence where they like kind of take cover in the uh, in the <laughs> arcade, like the laser tag place. Yeah. Uh, and Portia and Elliot are getting out of there and they like, it's like, oh, the go-karts are around the corner. We got to get to the go-karts. The, that, well, they'll take us to safety and they get to the go-kart and it's the slowest thing imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> just like screaming the entire way. There's a lot of just, a lot of goofs, you know? Yeah, and I, it, it does feel like when the zombie stuff starts happening, like, you know, there, there's a lot of new characters that get introduced this season with the influencers, um, yeah. who I think do take on, like, I think they do a pretty good job of make, making them all distinct characters, and uh, each one ha- kind of having their own background and reason for being there. Uh, and then by the end, they, uh, I, it's clear that they wanted a bigger cast to have more zombie fodder for the last couple of episodes. Right, right. Yeah, and when they, and it's like actually pretty good zombie stuff, you know? It it's, is, yeah. It's I, I really liked, uh, you know, the, uh, the guy, the scientist guy who you know invented the uh, the zombie pill like when he gets attacked by the zombies like it's a little bit unclear whether he did or not but he's like you know in the in the car and he's trying to close the doors with the voice activation and he can't do it and the zombies get him and all that kind of stuff yeah it's good stuff and the car that they all get in is the one that runs over super zombie bark uh <laughs> and then the doors bust open and it's all the influencers as zombies ah <sighs> good stuff good yes show. Absolutely, yeah. Which I mean, all the influencer stuff too. I mean, when when they start buying into the cult, it gets real creepy real fast. Yeah. Um, and when they when they like disfigure their skin w- to match the colors of like the outfit that they've been like paired up with, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's very horrific. That whole like skewering of that as well of like just the tech industry, Silicon Valley, the exploitation of like the fake persona influencers put on and all that stuff is very very good and and it's like you know sometimes this show does like some intense social commentary stuff on top of just being about these dumbass millennials you know (laughs) yes absolutely other kind of quick highlights of the show uh you mentioned dr carpet before uh it seems like you were a big fan of dr carpet god please talk about dr carpet (laughs) dr carpet right so elliot right he has to sneak into uh the lab to steal the pills for John Waters' character, which is the condition John Waters from the adoption company will take back Aspen, the demon child, in exchange yes. for the pills. Uh, so he steals an ID from like the locker room or something at this facility and has his uh, makeup artist friend turn him into this guy. And it's this grotesque, big nose, long hair, balding, big gla- Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> And Dr. Be- Benny is like all into him, uh, which is so funny. Um, she like thinks he's a guy that like she met up with at a scientist convention years ago or something and had a passionate yeah. night with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like she's going to leave her husband for him is where that eventually ends up, which is yeah. fucking, they're going to run away together. But yeah, he uh, <laughs> just Benny is like, oh, I need to go. Can you show these interns how to uh, kill these rats and extract their livers? Uh, <laughs> and, and Elliot. Dr. Carpet just is like trying to lie his way through this and comes up with crush their heads with binders. Um, And he's like, okay, I'm going to go do something else now. And he goes over to steal the pills. Right. But then just off screen, you start hearing like squish uh, and screaming. Interns killing the rats that way was where I was like deep belly laughing was like, ah, this is the search party that I love. Uh, This, this escalation is out of control. And then I think it's the next episode or the end of that episode where Dory like bursts into the lab to like confront Benny about these being sugar pills. Uh, and the table is just covered in blood and all the interns lab coats are red. <laughs> just like 
Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole subplot was was pretty uh, incredible, like you said. And then it kind of leads to, uh, I think, Benny uh, ends up getting bitten by one of the rats that the ki- the guy was experimenting on, the scientist guy, yeah. uh, with the formula that became the pills. And so he thought the pill worked on the rat, uh, but it turned out the rat like kind of turned her into the first zombie. And so she like throws herself out the window in like a fit of insanity. And Elliot's like watching the whole thing go down and just kind of like shirking back into the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> the like recurring so like it happens then, right, with uh Dr. Carpet the first time. Which all the names this season are very funny. Like Dr. Yes. Baby, Dr. Flesh, I think, is one of these sci- this psychiatrists or whatever at the uh institute where where Dory was. They keep because they're doing like the pop scientist influencer guy is like doing this in secret, they keep needing to steal more supplies, and so they keep needing him to be Dr. Carpet. And by the end, he's like, I think Dr. Carpet's gonna kill himself. Like <laughs> Like he's out for why he has to stop being Dr. Carpet. He's like, oh yeah, he, uh, his wife cheated on him with uh, his own dad, actually. Um, and I think he's probably going to kill himself. So so I don't think we'll see him anymore. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Uh, yes, that whole subplot's great. And uh, the su- I mean, the subplot with Portia being in love with Dory uh, is incredible and also leads to Portia poisoning Dory because she believes that, like, you know, Dory needs to be dependent on her. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, the-, the reveal of that is so funny because it's one of those things where, like, you see it coming from a mile away. Like, you know exactly who it is poisoning Dory from the beginning. Um, but to watch uh, Meredith Agnes' performance and, like, her overreactions to, like, I was like, okay, what do you guys did this? Like, I know yeah. it was one of you. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and, then, so and then later in the episode or maybe the next one because they kind of blur together a little bit uh, where she's like oh no we already resolved that and I didn't do it um, and Elliot's <laughs> like um, no I'm pretty sure we never figured out we never decided Yeah, uh, very very fun yes absolutely and that leads to the whole hostage situation thing where it's uh, like the mother and the grandmother uh, one of which is Rosemary Harris of like one of the influencers who happened to be like British royalty or something they come in like burst in with like a hidden camera like a camera guy and they're doing like their reality show and they're gonna bring her back home and stuff so they do the hostage situation and Drew ends up being hostage with them and they won't let them pee uh, <laughs> and they're just like sitting there in the room like begging to use the bathroom and they won't let them <laughs> and the camera guy just keeps peeing himself <laughs> Very like, I thought we were doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, and the the woman that plays the Duchess or whatever influencer, like the the one that is the British royalty, she's also on Los Spookies. Uh, oh, really? Which is very funny. You got to watch Los Spookies. It's pretty great. Nice. Um, There's like all these fun little HBO show connections that happen. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also, when Dr. Benny uh, jumps out the window, she lands on Jeff Goldblum's car. Yes. Uh, and that's very funny. Goldblum's like on the phone and just like happens very suddenly. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, he's his reaction's like great. on the phone with like an escort service, too. And he's yes. like, I just want them to all uh, stand in a circle and and throw compliments at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? And then Dr. Benny lands on his car. Uh, yeah. It's a talk to uh, Jeff Goldblum's in the show, you know? He is in the show, for sure. And uh, we <laughs> used that fact as an excuse to talk about Search Party for an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I think is as good a way as any to end season two of The Complete Works. Yes, yeah. To talk about a, a wonderful show that uh, brought a lot of joy in these dark times, even though this is a very dark show. Um, oh, yes. Which is part of the fun. Yeah, and, and, also, we, and we haven't even really touched on like so many of the things that happen on the show, too. I mean, like there's the whole The Twink thing the, the, the twink. in season four. That's the entire plot of season four that we kind of just skimmed over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, The Twink, uh, who we thought died. And I don't remember how he's not dead. But... Uh, I believe. Oh, I think. 
Isn't it like it was, a fake phone call or something? Yes, there was a fake phone call because, uh, you know, they, they end up pointing out, I think in like the season four premiere, like, wait, why would the hospital call us? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Why would we be the ones to get that phone call? <laughs> and when they came to that realization, it was incredible because I had thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, of course they would call them. Um <laughs> Yeah, and he's the one that kidnaps Dory. And yeah, and Susan Sarandon's in that season. Yes. Right? Yeah, and, and Griffin Dunn also. Yeah, and uh, oh my God, with the fucking like hostess cakes thing or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and the amount of guest stars they've been able to get on the show. Louis Anderson in season three is also oh my God. Uh, really incredible. I mean, that's like right before he died. And that, they, they kind of like work that into the plot of his character too. It's really uncomfortable and weird when I re-watching it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to be alive for much longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he just keeps passing out. <laughs> yes. He's so good. Yeah, it, he's so funny on the show. And, uh, you know, he, he's also one of the only characters that gets like a genuine win. Yes. On, on the show, on the entire series. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I would have liked to see uh, the lawyer, uh, Dory's lawyer, come back because that actress is phenomenal. I forget she who she was incredible. I, I also forget the name of that actress, but she was also incredible. Uh, and then it's uh, uh, Michaela Watkins as like the lawyer against them, too, who I also would like to see come back, too, because she was also great. I guess, season three, I think, is my favorite season, partially because like I, I really like courtroom drama stuff and yeah. the show like skewered that so perfectly. Uh, and the way it like played off of the first two seasons where so much stuff came back into it was was pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the moment when it might be is it i think it's season three uh where elliot like is reveal is being revealed that like everything we do about him is fake uh and he like gives up and he goes back to his mama back home to the family and yep. just gets the phone call to come on the tommy laren ripoff uh right the chloe Feynman's like fox news show yeah yeah and he just immediately turns around and walks away <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the moment with that always happens where you're like is this where the character becomes a good person uh yep. nope they turn to go right back to the wrong thing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but all right, so that is Search Party, uh, season five, uh, which uh, Mike and I got to watch in its entirety. And uh, yeah, really terrific show. Uh, if for some reason you haven't watched Search Party yet, uh, we told you there'd be spoilers in this episode. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, we did say that ahead of time, but uh, highly recommend watching the show. It is truly wild and uh, I think one of the most fun TV shows that I've gotten into over the last couple of years. So uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, and it's and it ends, you know, we don't have to worry about that as a thing now. It's streaming all the time. We're like, at any moment, the plug could get pulled on this show. Exactly. We'll never get resolution. Whether or not the zombie apocalypse is a satisfying resolution is a question for you to answer yourself, uh, but you should do it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it ultimately is a satisfying resolution. I just wish that, like, some of the other subplots got a little bit more room to breathe. Um, yeah. It's, ba- it's basically where I'm kind of at with it. But all right, so Search Party Season 5, uh, there won't be any letterbox reviews for this episode because this is a TV show. Uh, and I will mention that, uh, you know, two weeks ago we reviewed The Boss Baby Family Business. Uh, yes. And there was no Poetic Critic review at the time for that movie. There is now, uh, but we're saving that for the Goldblum finale, which will be airing next week. <laughs> yes, yeah. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, so that is going to be the end of this week's episode of the show. Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you can do that on our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. 
plural because we have two podcasts. Yes, we do. And you can find me online. It's a M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film and letterbox and radio Mike sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to the complete works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike's Cree show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And uh, if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Goldblum pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture press alongside many other podcasts, about comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Goldblum pod, which I already said, uh, <laughs> follow it twice. Yes. Uh, why not? Yeah. Make a, dummy account and follow it there just boost up yeah. our numbers that'd be great uh our theme song was created by kyle cullen who you can reach for your own podcast themes at kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com and our logo was designed by jacob honeycut or at jacob honey on twitter join us on the next complete works because it is time for the Goldbloom finale episode yes um, yes yeah we're gonna be counting down stuff and also counting down things yes I don't remember what we're doing <laughs> we are figuring that out i think uh, you know i was listening back to our uh, our nicholas cage finale just to kind of refresh a memory of what we did and for that one we counted down our top five worst cage movies mm. uh our top five cage freakouts our top five cage performances and then our top 10 cage movies Got it. uh and I feel like, I mean, obviously, Cage Freakouts, not going to be a category we'll be able to do for Goldblum. No. Uh, unless you want to count shooting Elizabeth uh, five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Just that one scene where he's talking to the chair. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Or, uh, you know, I think we uh, we compared it to Nicolas Cage in deep cover also in certain scenes in that movie, too. I think so, we did. Uh, yeah. OK, so we can count that one, too. Uh, probably going to be like a couple of different categories in there. Definitely counting down our, t- our favorite performances uh, and our top 10 Goldblum movies of all time, for sure. Uh, maybe we'll do our top five worst because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like on the fence about whether we should do a worst and i think i was on the fence about doing it during the cage finale too um because i want to like represent the broad spectrum of the entire filmography like the entire history of the podcast and the entire season uh and every movie golden has been in but i don't want to dwell too much on the stuff that we didn't like all that much you know i want to like you know focus on like you know the positive stuff yeah uh, so you know may- maybe we'll do five worst i'm not really sure yet if, if we do it'll probably be like a quick section of the show yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's necessarily a bad Goldblum performance. There's bad movies that he's in. That, that's the thing. And I think I, I don't think there really is like a really bad Goldblum performance. And I don't really think there is for Cage either, necessarily. He's in he's in a lot of bad movies, though. Uh, and yeah. Gold, Goldblum has been in a few movies that, uh, you know, we were not fans of. The Zambesias of the world, you know? Exactly. exactly. Uh, and, and those movies uh, deserve recognition on our finale podcast, too. So maybe we will do a Five Worst Movies thing. <laughs> I but. I can't believe you talked yourself into it in two minutes. That was incredible. <laughs> that is the planning process for the podcast done in real time right there. Yes, you're welcome. The world. Uh, so, yeah, so we're doing the Goldblum finale next week. It's going to be fun. going to be a lot of great. It's going to be a really good episode, I think. And uh, this week, I might, might go to the movies. Uh, we're talking May programming at the Roxy Theater here in Missoula, which is the Indian Theater in my house, Missoula, Montana, uh, with programming coordinator with Roxy, Mike Emmons, uh, which that episode is a lot of fun, too. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun talking with Mike. Talk about movies that I can't see in a theater because I'm not in Missoula. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, Con Air, 35 millimeter, May 7th. Uh, it's, it's only a few days away, but uh, if you want to do a, a spontaneous trip. It's a midnight trip to Missoula. Throw it out there. Uh, but yes, that episode is airing this week on the Mike Mike Go to the Movies feed. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And remember to go for the Gold Bloom. <laughs>